The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. We get right to our guest, Lorene Gilbert, CEO at Wealthwise Financial. So, Lorene, we can get to the Fed minutes and the market reaction. I, I want to go uh, to the technical standpoint first because it, it was probably pretty natural that the S&P 500 would bump up against the 200-day moving average and pause for a bit. Uh, obviously, what happens next could be interesting, but hard to really see a lot of conviction ahead of uh, another CPI report and a jobs report on what the Fed might do. So is sideways the most likely at the moment? Yeah, and to clarify, it's the 50-day moving average where 90% of the S&P has moved above that and is now trading above that. Another technical that we've seen is that there's been a retractment from the lows of the S&P, and it's retraced that by about half. So both of those are good technical indicators looking at a kind of the momentum behind that next bull market run. And I mean, so, until you get above the 200-day, you can hardly argue uh, outside of a bear market. This is a bear market rally until it happens. I agree that we still, that's another big milestone for sure. Um, so it's a good indicator right now, but the better indicator certainly would be a 200-day average. But we think that a lot of investors will be missing out on some of this rally that we've seen since the lows of the market because there is so much concern and so much talk about a recession, which we don't see imminently as a threat. Uh, Lorene, David here. So wh what would leads, assuming do we, we break at least, well, in terms of price there, of course, that moving average on, on the index. And certainly we do need to see more market po positive breath really in this market to take us above sustainably. What do you think the next catalyst would be? And is it necessarily the Fed? Well, the Fed is really key here. And that's what was so mm -hmm. good about hearing the Fed's minutes, the FOMC minutes today, because in, you know, even though the market was, you know, we saw negativity in the market today, in my opinion, it, it is positive in that they didn't say anything that was shocking. So there was nothing shocking about what they said. I mean, persistent inflation, we know that. They're concerned about it. We know that. But really what it pointed to was them staying the course, number one, but two, also taking pauses after each rate increase. So it does put that probability of the next rate increase at 50 basis points and then probably two more 25 basis points. So I would not expect yeah. a pause before we have another probably 1% increase. Laureen, so in the previous segment, we talked about essentially the, the sort of hurdles this, this U.S. equity market will need to get over. Let's extend the time horizon here. Do, when do you think we'll be able to retrace all the way back to all-time highs, and what conditions need to be in place? Well, that's tough to determine, but here's what I'll tell you. Um, when we look at some other statistics, for instance, that we're coming up on a midterm election cycle, mm. and we look at the S&P 500 one-year 
from that point and not anything to do with politics. It just has to do every time there's a midterm, which seems to change things. And and what happens then, the markets become more positive. So when we look at those one-year numbers out from the midterm elections, they tend to be good. So if we give, you know, given that we also see the first half of the year being as negative as it was, second half of the year will probably be more positive. And then we have the midterms as well. So that, that bodes for a positive, um, you know, we can't tell you exactly when it's going to happen when we get back up to those highs again. As you say, since it takes a while for this story to unfold, uh, is this almost a time when you can play government policy more than, than the macro? Well, I think we have to look at all factors, right? We have to look at the macroeconomics for sure. Have to look at um, specific. You know, what's hard right now is, you know, where do you go as far as investing? And it's not so clear as far as any particular industry per se or sector in a sense. But certainly, we do think value continues to be a place to be for a higher inflationary period of time dividend-paying companies tend to do well in that kind of environment. So when we're looking at the domestic equity markets in the United States, we would favor that value trade over the growth, not that we give up growth, but more of a tilt towards the value. Laureen, what about income? And I'm talking fixed income here. I mean, it's almost a lifetime opportunity that you get AAA sovereigns at, what, 3 4%, AAA investment grade corporates here at, what, 7 8%. What do you think about that space? Yeah, I think that we've had a significant move a year to date that's uh, frightened people on the fixed income side, and that's understandable given that we look <laughs> to fixed income to moderate our overall portfolios. But as you said, this is an opportunity. So when we look from here, we like the longer end of the curve. We like municipal municipalities. Um, so we like a lot of things about fixed income, and I think, once again, fixed income will start to be that ballast that we're looking for in an overall portfolio. The, the reason I mentioned uh, government policy was you, it's actually in your notes, um, looking at the Inflation Reduction Act with some some ideas there. Do you want to share those? Sure. So, you know, I think with the Inflation Reduction Act, we're looking at utilities being that is one area we do think will benefit specifically because those tax credits can be realized directly by municipal, uh, by the utilities, whereas they weren't able to be directly. They used to have to partner with private sector. So that can help in the utility space. And then when you're looking at the clean en- energy tax cuts, looking at some of the components that would help on the front end of some of those companies. So we're looking down the value chain because in the front end, a lot of that has already been uh, had quite a run-up year-to-date. So with that, looking for what goes behind that. The other thing I'd mention is that corporations are going to probably push back those buybacks into 2022, given that that tax starts in 2023. Lorene, very quickly, give us a non-consensus call. What are we not talking about that we should? We're not talking about China. And we think that China is still a huge global risk because we don't think we're getting all the information. The property implosion is still a huge issue there, has not really been absorbed into the Chinese economy or the rest of the world. And so when you hear uh, 
of all of this going on, it's still a risk. Loreen, thank you so much. Loreen Gilbert, their CEO of Wealthwise Financial. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.